morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I am so happy to see faces. You guys, I am so happy to see the top half of your face. And uh, if we have not met yet, or uh, you've maybe met me online, um, my name's Jason Squires. Super excited to be with you guys. Um, as Matt is dealing with some health issues, I'm going to be here for I'm going to be here for a while. Um, so you're stuck with me. I hope that's okay. Um, and I uh, first wanted to start off this morning by saying thank you to you guys. You guys have been an amazing support for my family these last few weeks. Um, we I actually have been dealing with some health problems and had a major surgery a few weeks ago. Had some pretty serious complications and have been resting. And this is actually my first time really out doing anything since the middle of February. So I'm I'm uh, I'm excited to not be laying in bed watching Netflix, which I, is a weird thing to say. But there comes a point where you're like, there's nothing else to watch. And I don't really want to anymore anyway. Um, so I'm so excited. Uh, my family and I are uh, very grateful for the prayers and support that you guys have, have given us in the last few weeks. Um, the had some had a had some yeah surgery did it was, surgery went well I had a big tumor that got removed and um, but there were some complications that kind of took longer than we anticipated so I was hoping to be here last Sunday but I'm excited to be here this Sunday with you guys as we sing as we worship this first song this morning um, is a song that I have, we've done a couple times online but for us for my family for our my last last week has been uh, kind of an anthem in my life. As it says, God, I can't see it all, but I've seen, I can see enough to know that you're faithful. No matter what we go through, um, as the world's coming back open again, as we have no idea, like we're coming up on the one year of the world closing down. Um, it's like to say, God, I don't know what's going on. I, I have no idea what the future looks like, but I can tell you that I can see just enough to know that you're a faithful God. And no matter what we go through, there's a reason for it, and we're going to be better on the other side of this. And so um, if you're comfortable standing or sitting this morning as we sing and worship, um, let's, let's sing together. you go with me and your promises you always sing Lord I confess Lord I confess how much I need you and I confess that I am weak I can't promise I won't fail you but your promises will not fail single day 
presence is my shelter. Your presence is my victory. Because when I'm in the valley, God, I will fear no evil. When enemies surround me, you prepare a table. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Surely goodness and mercy will follow. When I'm in, when I'm in the valley, God, I will fear no evil. When enemies surround me, you prepare a table. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. And I can't see it all, but I've seen enough to know that oh, you are faithful. And I can't see it all, God, but I've seen enough to know. in the valley and I will fear no evil when enemies surround me you prepare a table surely goodness and mercy will follow me surely goodness and mercy will follow me Sing about it, a, a great God. The splendor of a king, clothed in majesty. Let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light and dark tries to hide and trembles at his voice trembles at his voice sing how great how great is our God sing with me how great is our God no we'll sing how great how great No. Oh. 
sings my soul. My sin, all the bliss.
haste the day. When Lord haste the day, when my faith shall be Father, this morning we love you. God, we worship you. God, we are thankful for the opportunity to be together again. God, thankful for the opportunity to sing, learn about you. God, see each other face to face. God, we worship you this morning. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Can you grab a seat. Thank you, Jason. We're so glad you're back. Yes, we've been praying for you, and, you know, our worship leader is a special position, and, you know, we've got two guys that we're praying for right now, and just continue that prayer. I don't know about you, but I got my um, Superman pin in the mail this week, and I put it on today to think about Matt, think about um, just praying for him today, and giving him the superpower that comes straight from Jesus, right? So we want to thank you for joining us today, whether you're here live, I'm so happy to see you, or whether you're with us on Facebook or YouTube, where you just want to say thank you for coming to worship with us today, and today is going to be such a great day. So here at SVC, our mission is to worship, grow, reach, and serve, and there's so many ways that we can accomplish that. At Solano Valley, we place a really high emphasis on community and connection, And we see this throughout the Bible. You know, Jesus had a huge ministry, and he touched thousands and thousands of people. And we hear stories about, you know, feeding the 5,000. But the stories that I like the best are the ones where he meets with them one-on-one. Like, my one of my favorite stories, one of my favorite songs is, you know, Zacchaeus. You guys know that story. And he tells Zacchaeus, come down from there, from going to your house for tea. And that's really how he was. He he craved those connections, those one-on-one connections with us. And here at our church, we do the same thing. We put a big emphasis on those connections. And that's why small groups are so important for us to be involved in. And volunteering is so important for us to be involved in. Because through those small groups, you guys, we meet some of the best friends that we have in our lives. Right? And just like Jen said last week, it's a place where you can really kind of let your hair down, really share your heart, and be accepted totally. And I know that um, we have so many testimonies of what God's done through small groups, and I really want you to be a part of it. So if you have not signed up for a small group yet, you can go to our SVC app. You can see all the groups that are there that are going right now. And I want to encourage you. I'll save a seat for you. You can sit right next to me. We'll be friends. If you are feeling like you want to make friends, come on. Come this today at 4 o'clock, right? And at 
um, Joy's backyard. We're having our small group, and I would love to, ha- to see you there. So make sure you do that. And then also on our app, you can see all the volunteer opportunities that we have. You know, we're coming back to church for the first time in a long time, and there's all kinds of teams that need to be filled up. So let God use you where your gifts are. Everybody has these gifts that God gave you, and there's so many awesome places where you can serve. You don't have to be up here on the stage. You don't have to know how to play the guitar. You know, we need, we need your smiling, beautiful face as a greeter. Or if you know how to do Facebook or Instagram, oh, my gosh, we need somebody to be our media person. So God has given you that gift. Use it, you guys. Use it. He's calling you to use it. I also want to remind you of our special revival prayer. It is tonight here live in this building at 630. And you guys, you know, life is hard. And there's a lot of brokenness and there's a lot of, um, you know, on this side of heaven, we face things like sickness. We face things like, you know, unemployment. We face things like this pandemic. But when we pray, we we appeal to God for those things. You know, we can kind of sometimes feel lost for words like we don't know what to say but when we pray oh my gosh guys the holy spirit goes in and he goes right to god for us we don't even have to have the words we can just sit in his presence and just ask the holy spirit to to you know go to him for us and i want to encourage you to come to revival prayer and i don't want you guys to think that you know it's a place where you have to come and you have to pray out loud and you have to be like this good prayer and you have to know all the right words and like how to say the right thing it's not like that at all It's just a place where you can come and listen and be in the presence of God and agree with other believers. There's no pressure for you to pray out loud or for you to be on the spot at all. It's not like that at all. It's just this really cool environment where we just agree with each other. So if you've never come before, tonight is a really good night to start, and I really want to invite you to do that. So 630 here at the church. So right now we want to worship God with our offering and tithes. And we want to thank you that you've been so generous to give to SVC through this whole pandemic. And now that we're back, you guys, you can see um, just how important it is for us to give to our local church. When you obey that commandment and you obey God in giving, it doesn't just affect here at this church. You know, we've been sponsoring other churches, other new new churches this whole time. They've been counting on your generosity and what you're giving. And so we just want to obey God and let him bless you. The Bible says that this is the only part, place where we can kind of like test God is through our, our offering and our tithes. And um, he's going to bless you so much whenever you give. So there's four ways to give. You can tap give on the SVC phone app. You can send a check to 1307 Oliver Road, Fairfield, California, 94534. You can text give to 707, oops, sorry, 707-883-3019 or give online at solanovalley.org backslash giving. Or if you're here in person, you can drop your check right in the back. There's a little um, gray slot and Steve put a, a, a pretty sign up and you can just slip your check right in there. All right. So next week, um, just a reminder that next week starts daylight saving time. So we're going to jump ahead one hour. So I grew up in Arizona where we don't have this thing. And so it confuses me twice a year. I'm like, okay, what, what's happening? What's happening? So we are going to be losing an hour of sleep because we're springing forward an hour. So grab your coffee next week. Show up tired to church like everybody else. 
And, you know, we're going to give you grace, but be on time next week um, because we're going to be having our annual business meeting at 1130, so right after church. And we're going to be holding this meeting. It's really important for you to come and be a part of this meeting because you kind of get to see the vision and the framework that we're going to have for the whole next year. And it's important that you cast your vote. We want to hear from you. And just like Pastor Gary said last week, you know, vote with your heart. Vote with how God's telling you to vote. So if you are unsure about something, that's totally fine. Vote the way that you want to vote and then um, tell him why. And then he's going to um, have answers for you. So if you're questioning something, just ask Gary about it. So, um, yes, and you can pick up a copy of everything we're going to vote for in the back before you leave. So I just want to thank you so much for joining us today. It's going to be a great day. And we're going to welcome Pastor Gary back up to continue with our time for renewal. Yes, thank you so much, Kimberly. Hey, good to see you guys today. Uh, so glad you're here. And uh, I'm going to just set out this tray right here so I have a place for my water bottle. And also, I want to make reference to a couple of books. Hey, Eric, can you tell me what is my range here? From, uh, okay, but do I have like from speaker to speaker? I have less than that. Okay, all right. Well, I'm going to walk off for a moment because I'm going to grab this. So, so, um, so anyway, uh, I want to just say a special thank you to everybody for being with us today. For those of you who are with us uh, in person, uh, glad you're here. My wife is telling me to take this off. I don't know why. Uh, I look better when it's on. And uh, but um, so uh, for those of you who are joining us on YouTube, you're joining us on Facebook. First of all, I want to say sorry. Uh, for those of you who are on YouTube, we had a little glitch last week. We had to upload the service later. Uh, and so hopefully you got to see and watch uh, the service later. For those of you who are watching on Facebook, I owe you like a really, really, really big apology. Uh, because what y'all may not know is last week I was setting up my phone with a live Facebook feed. So our Facebook uh, church could, could join us and, and worship with us. And so as I was setting it up on a little tripod right over here where everybody could see it, what I wasn't thinking about is that I wasn't thinking about where the sound that goes on to Facebook comes from. I was, I was kind of thinking, well, it goes to the sound system and then to my phone, but that's not how it works. It actually goes to the sound source that's closest to it, which happened to be my voice. So about the first minute of the Facebook worship feed last week, you couldn't hear Peter Newman, who is a fantastic worship leader. You couldn't hear my wife, Joy, who has a beautiful, beautiful voice and a beautiful spirit of worship. You couldn't hear Jessica, who also has a really beautiful voice, beautiful uh, spirit of worship. What you heard is you heard why I teach and why I'm not on the worship team. So Facebook crowd. Thank you for sticking around, not letting me drive you away, And uh, but today we're glad to, to have you guys. Um, what I want to do is, uh, first of all, just I want a quick report, quick report for y'all. Uh, what we did last, uh, last night, I, I, I got a phone call from Matt, okay? I got a phone call from Matt, and Matt actually sounded kind of chipper. Uh, he actually sounded really, really good, and he called me up. And he just wanted to pray with me and pray for you guys. 
So last night we prayed together. We, we, we prayed for, for you. That, that's what we were praying about. And uh, we prayed about today's service. And, uh, but he is, you know, he's doing pretty well. But this is what you need to understand is that the, the really tough days for Matt are in front of him. Okay, so they did the first part of the bone marrow transplant on Friday, and then they will do the second part of it today. And then March 10th through the 24th is when the chemo that he took, and he took it like in, um, they, they give you a lot of chemo. They give you a lot of chemo. And, and they give you just enough chemo to almost kill you but not kill you. And the reason they do this is to lower uh, the uh, to lower the immune system and uh, resistance that would otherwise fight off the bone marrow. And what they want is they want the body to receive that. So his really tough days are going to be March 10th through the 24th. And that's, you know, we need to be praying for him. We need to be praying for Carolyn, for the girls right now. But we really want to be praying for, Mar, uh, for Matt in more earnest between March 10th and March 24th. Also this last week, for those of you who don't know, Carolyn lost her dad. And so this has been a really tough season for them. And uh, to, to lose your dad uh, and, and to have your husband in the hospital at the same time with this is really tough. Uh, for, uh, for, for, uh, for Lauren uh, and for Katie... Uh, to lose their their poppy and not have their dad right now is that's that's as you can imagine that would be difficult. And even for Matt not being able to be there with his wife and his children when they're going through their loss is really difficult. And so uh, we're going to take a moment and we're going to pray for them and what they're going through. Okay, let's pray. God, you are great and awesome. You are good. You are the creator of the heavens and the earth. Uh, God, you are the one who has spoken to us by your spirit through prophets and the apostles in your holy word, the Bible. Uh, God, you are, um, you are awesomely in charge of all things. And God, with you is the power to heal. And so right now, I just pray for healing for Matt's body. That you would work through uh, every means, medically, uh, through your power in his life to heal his body. Give the doctors, the medical professionals, the skill, the wisdom they need. God, I pray for him. I pray for Carolyn. I pray for Lauren and Katie and what they're experiencing. And the loss that they have felt this last week and, and the, the um, separation they have with each other. God, give them your grace to sustain them to help them in this time. God, I want to also pray, want to continue to pray for Jason. I pray for healing for his body. And, uh, and, and Lord, we are grateful for how you are working in his body and that he's been able to join us again today. And, Lord, for all those out there in our church and beyond our church who are suffering maybe with sickness or with another kind of loss or heartache or pain, Lord, we just pray for your grace for them as well. Uh, right now, I pray that as we come uh, to you uh, and as we open the word together, that you will speak to us. Lord, help us hear your word with a spirit of humility. 
Help us to receive the word implanted that's able to save our souls. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. We're going to be looking at today. We're going to be looking at Nehemiah uh, chapters 8 through 10. And so we're fast forwarding just a little bit. We're going to fast forward just a little bit in our study. And what you see in Nehemiah chapters 1 and 2 as you read this, understand this, that God had, uh, he had created the heavens and the earth and all that they contain. And he created the man and woman in his image. And he called it very good. And from them, he gave us every nation uh, under the heavens. Every nation. And then God chose one nation above the others, the nation of Israel, through whom God would speak by his Holy Spirit through the prophets. And that God would give us the scriptures. And that, that God would give us through that nation one day a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the Savior who came, who lived a life without sin, who died uh, for you and me on the cross as a sacrifice for my sin and for your sin. And he rose on the third day, defeating the power of sin and death so that we could have, uh, we could have uh, salvation in him. And, and so, um, uh, so in Nehemiah, what happens is, is Israel, God had chosen this nation, Israel. But the nation of Israel chose to not follow the ways of God. And they disobeyed God again and again and again in a lot of different kinds of ways. Uh, and and uh, so eventually, when they refused to repent and refused to repent and refused to turn from their sin and turn back to God, eventually they were carried away into exile, into captivity, uh, first under the Assyrians, then under uh, the Babylonians. But then the people of Israel began to seek God again. And many under the Persian uh, Empire were able to return back to Jerusalem and to Judah. And, and so we read about this in the book of Ezra. And then in Nehemiah chapters 1 and 2, it tells us about Nehemiah's prayer for the restoration of Jerusalem and how he returned in chapter 2 to lead the nation in rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem. Then in Nehemiah chapters 3 to chapter 7, verse 3, it tells us about how they rebuilt the wall around Jerusalem, even though they faced enemies and opposition, and even though they faced difficulties in the community, where the rich and the powerful began to exploit the weak and the poor. And so, uh, and then Nehemiah confronts them, and there's repentance in this returning to God. And then where we're going to pick up today is actually in uh, the very last verse of Nehemiah chapter 7. But then we're going to look at uh, Nehemiah uh, 8 uh, through 10. And I'm not going to read the whole text to you. So, uh, uh, so I'm going to be different from Ezra. Uh, Ezra read them the word of the law for about three hours, okay? Uh, and I'm not going to do that to you today, all right? Uh, but... But uh, we're going to look at what the Bible says here. Before we do that, though, let me just talk to you about a different context. I've been talking to you about the context of the Bible. Okay? But I want to talk to you a little bit about the context that we're living in. What the Bible teaches us is this. is It teaches us that God is holy, that he is righteous. And the Bible tells us that he's also gracious and merciful. And he's given us a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Bible tells us this as well, that one day Jesus is coming again. 
Jesus is coming again. And this will be good news for some, and it's going to be really bad news for some others. Because what the Bible tells us is that one day there is a day of reckoning and there is a day of judgment. And that God is going to judge every nation. He will judge the United States of America. Just as he will judge Israel. Just as he will judge every other nation. And God will judge every person. He will. And only those who put their hope and their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. And this is the message of the Bible. And what we see in our world is, I just want to talk to you a little bit about where we stand right now with the United States, if I can, for just a moment. I, I think I need to address this. I need to, need to speak to this. That I, I believe that a time of judgment is coming. And, um, and I believe that, that in our nation there are some... Last week I touched on different kinds of social evil in our world today. And in, in our nation, I believe there are some things that God will one day hold us accountable for as a nation. I believe this, all right? And, and I want to begin with speaking briefly to those of us who might call ourselves evangelical Christians. I believe that repentance begins with you and me. I do. I don't believe it begins with all those people out there. I believe it begins with all of us people in here. I believe it begins with me. I do. That, that I believe... That, that part of what has happened in a lot of evangelical Christianity is that we have traded true religion for toxic religion. I believe this. Uh, that, that we have, um, for many, uh, a religion that despises others as sinners while exalting self as righteous. I believe that there is a toxic religion of legalism that relies on self righteousness, and good works to get us into heaven and despises other people that we imagine aren't as good as we are. This is toxic religion. I believe there is a toxic religion that politicizes the gospel instead of proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all can be saved through him. That what's needed in America today is not necessarily in the White House. What is needed today in America is in the heart of every person for Jesus to reside uh, reside as our president, our commander-in-chief in our lives. This is the gospel. And this is what every evangelical must be known for. I, I believe in toxic religion. There has been a low regard for kindness and compassion, and respect for people who think and believe differently. There's been a failure of love, a failure of love for God, loving God above all things, pursuing Him above all things, and there's been a failure of love, of loving our neighbor, my black neighbor, my Hispanic neighbor, my Asian neighbor, my white neighbor, as I love myself that there's been a failure in love, okay? I believe in America today that our nation has sinned against God, also through what I'm just going to call spiritual apathy and indifference. And in some respects, I really understand this. I really understand this. For some people, there's a measure of spiritual apathy and indifference because what they do is they see toxic religion, and in, 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 in the rejection of toxic religion, they never come face to face with Jesus. 
because they're seeing toxic religion instead of seeing Jesus. And so people have retreated into a kind of spiritual apathy and indifference. Uh, We are indifferent to the one and only true God of the Scriptures. Uh, That personal and corporate worship is a low priority for us, if it's something that we practice at all. The prayerlessness and biblical illiteracy marks our lives. Uh, That also in our nation today, our nation has sinned against God and how I believe that we devalue life. How we devalue life. I, I believe that we devalue life through racism. By the way, I don't believe that racism begins in power structures. I don't. I don't. I believe that racism begins in the human heart. It does. And it's human hearts that are in places of power. And until we address what's happening in the heart, we're, still, we're not going to change the power structures. We're just going to trade one power structure and its tyranny with another power structure and its tyranny. And what is needed today is, is a total transformation of the human heart that only Jesus can do. But I believe in our, our nation today there has been a devaluation of life and, and a person might say, well, well, what do you mean? What does that look like? And, and I think it can look like racism. I do. I think it can look like that. I think it can look like classism. Oh, you can't belong to our group because you're not in the same socioeconomic category that we're in. Or you can't belong to our group because you're not as educated as we are. And so what we do is we divide in all these different kinds of ways. I think a devaluation of life can be seen in 62 million babies. 62 million babies over the last 48 years who have died through abortion. Uh, We can see a devaluation of life through the indifference, indifference towards the marginalized, indifference towards human suffering. Am I painting a a hard picture here? If I am, I'm doing it deliberately, okay? I'm not trying to be unintentionally offensive. But I just want to speak to some of what's happened in our nation because I believe there's an answer to it. In our nation today, I think we've sinned against God in our materialism, where we value material things more than our Heavenly Father. That we look for for our security and our significance in the things that we own, instead of looking for it in relationship with God. That that we, I think we can see, uh, how has our nation sinned against God? Uh, And I'm not going to go into too much detail here because we have children present with us, but I just want to speak to this. God made us male and female. In the image of God, he made us. God gave us our sexuality. And God called it very good. And what the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 2, that it's not good. For the man to be alone. And so what the, the scripture tells us that, that he made the woman for the man, the man for the woman. And he said, and, and he says, uh, for this reason, a man shall leave his father or mother and cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And, and he gave us this wonderful, beautiful gift of our sexuality. Anybody got a fireplace in your home? You got a fireplace in your home? You ever enjoy having a fire like on a cold stormy night the warmth that that you get from that fire you enjoy that 
Do you ever enjoy that fire in your fireplace so much you want to take the fire out of your fireplace and just kind of spread it into your living room? You ever do that? Or maybe you want to spread it into the bedrooms, maybe one bedroom that's especially looks like, I don't know, it's been demolished already. Um, you know, the fireplace is a wonderful place to enjoy fire. And what the Bible tells us is that in the context of marriage, one man, one woman, that sexuality is a beautiful and wonderful thing. But every form of, of, uh, of, of pursuing sexuality that goes outside of what God has called safe and good, and not just called safe and good, but very good, is a form of sin. Now, now folks, real quickly here, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I have sinned against God. I still do. You know, and, and I am a sinner who has needed a Savior, and I still do. And I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ has saved me, and I believe he can save you. And he doesn't save us through all the good things we do. He saves us in spite of all the bad things we've done. And he saves us through faith in Christ Jesus. But I believe there are times in a nation where a, ta- a nation needs spiritual renewal and spiritual revival. And the reason that I wanted to paint this picture for you today is not to create a sense of doom and gloom, but to talk to you about a hope. See, here today, I'm not here to talk about doom and gloom, although I want to acknowledge there is social evil in our world today. But I believe there is a reason for hope. I do. I believe today that today's message could be one of the most important messages that some of you ever hear. Whether you are on Facebook or YouTube or whether you are here in this room, I believe today could be one of the most important messages you ever hear. And not because I have a high opinion of me or because I have a high opinion of my preaching. It is because I have a high opinion of what this book teaches. I believe in this message. And I believe there is a message of hope for a nation in this and what we're going to look at in Nehemiah chapters 8, 9, and 10. This is a message of hope, not just for individuals, but for nations. Uh, Let me read for you a little bit, and then I want to talk with you about a couple things I think are hugely important. And I'm just going to begin the last part of chapter 7, verse 73. And I'm going to read a little bit in chapter 8, and then I'm going to read a little bit in chapter 9. Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 73. Just something to keep in mind, Nehemiah is the governor of Judah at this time. Ezra is one of the chief priests and teachers of the law. When the seventh month came, that would be the month of Tishri, that would be for us in our world, in, in, in our world it would be around late September, early October. It was a time of the year when they would have, the, the Jews would celebrate something that they called the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles. It was also called the Feast of Ingathering because at this time they would bring in the harvest. And, and what they would do is every year in this time of the year, Instead of living... Hey, any of you kids ever go on a camping trip with mom or dad? So what they would do every year is the children would go on a camping trip with mom and dad. That's what the Feast of Booths was. 
they would build these little tabernacles, booths, little like lean-tos out of branches from trees. And what they would do is they would camp out for a week under these little lean-tos. And it was a time for them to remember. It was a time for them to remember. It was a time for them when they would remember how God took care of the nation of Israel after he brought them out of Egypt, under, after their oppression under uh, Egypt, their slavery there for 400 years. And for 40 years, God cared for them in the wilderness. And this was a time to remember how God took care of them and supplied all their needs and protected them. So when the seventh month came, And the Israelites had settled in their towns. All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. By the way, nobody's ever commanded me. It's like I show up here on Sundays. I don't hear anybody saying, all right, Gary, bring out the book of the law. You know, read it to us for six hours. Read it. But, but what they do is they, they, they tell Ezra to bring out the book of the law of Moses. So on the first day of the seventh month, the month of, uh, uh, of um, Tishri, on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon. Are you all ready? Next week, daylight savings time, daybreak to noon. Um, From daybreak to noon, uh, he read uh, from the book of the law. Uh, And and it says that um, uh, he read before the whole uh, assembly. And he he read it aloud. Okay, where am I at? Verse 3. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively. And if you have your Bible with you, I would encourage you to circle that word attentively. It's a very important word in the book of Nehemiah. Uh, they listen to it attentively to the book of the law. Now we're going to fast forward. Chapter 9. 24 days later. 24 days later. Chapter 9. Verse 1. On the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together, fasting and wearing sackcloth, putting dust on their heads. Those of the Israelite descent had separated themselves from all foreigners. Real quickly, real quickly. What's this? Why are they separating themselves from all foreigners? If you've been with us in our study of Nehemiah, remember there were some pagan nations that surrounded Israel who worshipped pagan gods, and they were seeking to oppose uh, the nation of Judah and the Jews, and they were seeking to oppose their following after God. And so they separated from these people. They stood in their places and confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors. They stood where they were and they read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day, one-fourth of the day. And they spent another quarter in confession and in worshiping the Lord their God. Let's talk for a moment about the book of Nehemiah. And let's look in particular here at at some major important takeaways for you and me. The first one is this. In times of revival, in times of revival, there is a high regard for Scripture. Now, what this is really important. In times of revival, there is a high regard for Scripture. 
In our world today, there is not a high regard for Scripture. No, no, no. No, a lot of us today look like me when I was seven years old. Anybody seven years old? No? Okay. A couple of us? All right. When I was seven years old, I wanted to be my own dental health expert. I did. When I was seven years old, I wanted to be my own dental health expert. I wanted to be like my grandpa and my grandma. All right? I didn't want to brush my teeth anymore. I wanted to have false teeth. Because then all you had to do is every day, you know, when you were done at the end of the day, you get put your teeth in this, this little, uh, your false teeth in this little glass. And you put these two little tablets in there and you pour water in and it fizzed all up and it cleaned your teeth for you. You didn't have to brush them. And as a seven-year-old, I wanted to be my own dental health expert. In our world today, a lot of people, they want to be their own soul. They want to be their own spiritual expert. In our world today, a lot of us believe that our opinion is just as good as God's opinion. Now, some of you may say, well, why should I trust the Bible? Why should I trust what the Bible tells me about God? Why should I use that as, as what I'm going to use as, as my guide for my, la- my life and my faith? Why should I do that? I just want to remind you for a moment, the Bible is a collection of 66 books, 66 books written by 40 different authors on three different continents in three different languages. Now, imagine collecting 66 books from around the world. How many different messages would you have in that 66 books? You'd have a lot of a lot of messages in the Bible. You have many stories, but ultimately you have one story. You have God's story. And what the Bible tells us is that God made all things good, Genesis 1 and 2. But you and me, we're we're kind of smart. We are. We can figure this out. We we realize that our world that's supposed to be all good that God created isn't all good today, is it? No. We have to pay taxes, right? Okay, we have to pay taxes. That's not good. Well, it is because it provides services for us. But, But you and I both know there's crime in our world. We know that there is poverty in our world. We know that there is hunger in our world. We know that there is, um, there are, there's heartbreak, broken relationships, there's sickness. There are many things in our world that aren't good. And what the Bible tells us is it tells us why not everything in God's good creation is good anymore. And it's because of Genesis chapter 3. That man and the woman chose to be their own spiritual health experts. Remember? The seven-year-old who wanted to be his own uh, dental health expert? They chose to be their own spiritual experts. And they decided that they wanted to know good and evil for themselves. And instead of listening to what God said, they wanted to do what they felt and what they thought was good. And, And so they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And with that, entered into our world sin... Sin it, in, into our world entered every suffering, suffering into our world came every kind of social evil that we see in our world today because of sin. Fast forward, Revelation chapter 21, chapter 22. Guess what? You read Revelation 21 and 22, and it looks a lot like a return to Eden. Everything in the world is good again. No more sin. No more crime, no more disease, no more suffering. 
It is good. People living in perfect relationship with God. But then Genesis chapter 3, the last part of Genesis chapter 3, all the way through Revelation chapter 20, tells us about God's redemption of his creation. God redeems his creation. And the Bible tells us that at the center of this work of redemption is the person of Jesus. Everything in the scripture either prepares us for or points us to the coming of Jesus and what he accomplished for us on the cross and in his resurrection. And I, I, I just, I'm going to tell you, you know, whatever you choose to believe in as your final word on all matters of life and faith, uh, all I'm going to tell you is I have not found a better book than this book. I haven't. I just can't imagine. And, and what we see in the people here is that they had a very high regard for God's word. Then in verse 1, it says, All the people came together, and, and they told Ezra, the teacher of the, of the law, to bring the book of the law of Moses and to read it to them. That, that what they do in, in verse 3, Ezra read from the book of the law from daybreak until noon, and the people listened attentively. In verse 8, Ezra and those who were with him read the book of the law. They made its meaning clear and helped the people to understand what was read. In verse 12, many of the people were initially grieved by their sin. Uh, but then they rejoiced and they celebrated with great joy and in a great feast because they understood the scriptures that had been proclaimed to them. Then as they continued to read through the word of God, they read about the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Tabernacles. And they built their little lean-to shelters and they had their family uh, campouts together in their lean-tos. And every day, the Bible tells us, Every day, day after day, from the first day to the last day of the feast, which was seven days, Ezra read from the book of the law of God. And he read for them Genesis. And he read for them Exodus. And he read for them Leviticus. And he read for them Numbers and Deuteronomy. This was the practice that we see in the book of Deuteronomy that was taught. That they would read through those first five books. And they had this really high regard uh, for God's word. In times of renewal, in times of renewal, we need a high regard for scripture. Why do we need a high regard for scripture? In times of renewal, there can be great enthusiasm. And enthusiasm can be good. But it is an enthusiasm here that is guided by and taught by the scriptures. The key marker in this chapter isn't just enthusiasm. Yes, there was enthusiasm. There was weeping over sin. There was celebration with great joy when they understood uh, the the book of the law. But it wasn't just great enthusiasm. It was enthusiasm with a high regard for Scripture that pays careful attention to the teaching of God's Word. Enthusiasm without Scripture can easily drift into to uh, doctrinal error. But cold orthodoxy, meaning truth without enthusiasm, can lead to a lifeless form of religion. And what we want in a time of revival, in a time of spiritual awakening, we want enthusiasm with a high regard for, for, for the Scriptures. So the first thing we see here in a time of spiritual renewal, the time of renewal that the nation of, of Israel was going through, and the t- kind of renewal I think we need in our country today 
is it begins with a high regard for Scripture. Number two, in chapter 9, at times of renewal, there is confession of sin and the worship of God. And this is, like, super fascinating to me. It's like, I'm sorry, I'm a Bible nerd. I get, like, excited about this. But in, in chapter 9, it, it talks about how they, they stood and they confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors. And the Bible says that, that they spent a quarter of the day in confession, confessing their sin, confession, uh, in, in, in worship, the worship of God. In other words, they didn't just confess their sin. They also confessed the awesomeness of God, and they worshiped him. And it's really crazy, because as you read through uh, Nehemiah chapter 9, beginning in uh, the last part of verse 5, all the way through to the end of the chapter, uh, in verse 37, uh, it's, it's fascinating, is that you can see this, if you've ever read much of the Bible, studied the Bible, it's fascinating. Because you can see it, you can see the book of Genesis. You can see it. Where they talk about the creation and the, the giving of life and the choosing of Abraham and his family. You read about Exodus and how God brings the nation of Israel out of Egypt. You read, uh, uh, you, you see elements of Leviticus. You see Numbers, Deuteronomy. You, you see uh, the book of Judges and in the taking of the nation, of the land, of the land of Palestine that God gave them. You see uh, the Judges and, and you see times of spiritual decline, but then uh, at times where the nation was judged by God. And then the people cry out to God, and then God delivers them. You see the judges, and you see the world of Ruth. And you see first the world of First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings. You see all of the first 12 books of the Bible in one chapter. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. But what you see in this is you see the people not just re- remembering the history of Israel, but you also see them remembering how great and awesome God is, but also recognizing and confessing their own sin and the sin of their ancestors. Then a time of, uh, in times of revival, in times of spiritual awakening, in times of spiritual renewal, there is a confession of sin and a worship of God. Finally, uh, in times of revival, and, and we see this at the end of, verse, uh, of chapter 9, but also... In, in chapter 10, in times of revival, there is a renewed obedience to God. That when you get to uh, chapter 9, verse 38, it says, In all this, all this, uh, we are making a binding agreement, putting it into writing. And in our leaders, our Levites, our priests are fixing their seals to it. Now, l- let me put it this way. This is what they're doing. They're kind of like writing out a contract between themselves and God. They're writing out a contract. They're writing out a contract with God. They're saying, you know what, God? We're going to place ourselves under the teaching of your word. And you read on in in chapter 10, it gives all these different names of all these different people who signed this contract with God. And you get to verses uh, 28 and 29. And it says, the rest of the people, the priests, Levites, gatekeepers, musicians, temple servants, all who were separating themselves from the neighboring peoples for the sake of the law of God, together with their wives, their sons, their daughters, and all who are able to understand, all these now join their fellow Israelites, the nobles, and bind themselves with a curse and an oath 
to follow the law of God given through Moses, the servant of God, and to obey carefully all the commands, regulations, and decrees of our, our Lord. So what they do is they commit themselves again to obeying God. They can commit themselves to obeying God. Um, <clears throat> right now, I'm reading a, a book. I've been reading a book called Firefall 2.0. Okay? And it's written by a couple of uh, uh, seminary professors, uh, one at Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas, the other one from uh, Southeastern, uh, yeah, Southeastern uh, Theological Seminary in uh, Charlotte, in North Carolina. And what they do is they go through and they, they trace every revival movement, every spiritual awakening movement, well, not every one of them, but most of them that are in the Old and the New Testament. And then what they do is they trace revival movements that happen between 100 A.D. up until the time of the Reformation. And then they, they trace the different revival movements at the time of the Refor- Reformation. And then they, they look at revival movements in modern history. It's a fascinating book. It's a fascinating book because it takes, it, it's, it's a study in breadth of what revival and spiritual awakening and spiritual renewal looks like. The reason I've given myself to, to reading this, and then after this, I'm going to be reading a couple of other books. One book is called Dynamics of Spiritual Life. I've read part of this uh, before. Very dense, very, very dense. Not necessarily an easy read, but it has some fantastic stuff in it. And then this book called uh, The Reappearing Church. But what they talk about is they talk about revival. And what I am doing is I am really giving myself and have been giving myself to uh, Every Monday, I've been giving my time to uh, prayer and fasting and study, reflection. I do other stuff, too. I do my past, you know, those other things where, you know, the little meetings and stuff like that. But I'm giving myself to fasting and praying, and I'm praying for spiritual renewal and revival in my life. But I'm also fasting and praying for spiritual renewal in your life and in our community and in our nation. And, you know, it's real interesting. In my early years as a pastor, I spent a lot of time reading books about church growth. And I didn't spend a lot of time reading books about spiritual renewal and revival. In the next 10 years, 20 years, however many years God gives me, I really want to spend, because it's really fascinating, in all these different renewal movements and all these different revivals that they talk about, (laughs) and mostly... In this book, which is the best book on spiritual renewal and revival, it doesn't talk a lot about programs. It really doesn't. It doesn't talk a lot about processes. What it talks about is it talks about power. It talks about spiritual transformation. It talks about spiritual renewal. I I began this message talking about some of the things that we face as a nation. And the reason I began by talking about this was I'm not trying to camp out and highlight the negative. That's not my point. But my point is I want you to see that right now this nation needs something different. It needs something different. It doesn't need more church as usual. It doesn't need that. It needs something different. Right now, what this nation needs 
is it needs you. It needs me. To pursue God above all things. To humble ourselves before God. To pray. To seek God's faith. To turn from any and every kind of spiritual compromise. We talked about this a little bit before. Rich and I were talking about that ultimately all sin is a failure in love. We need to repent, turn away from unloving, not loving other things more than we love God, or loving ourselves more than we love other people. We need to turn from that, repent. Now, this is what the Bible says. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. If my people who are called by my name, well, that's you. That's me. If my people... My people, that's every true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, humble, you know, we've got to get past spiritual pride. Somehow thinking that we're better than other people because of our religion. Or because of all of our good deeds and good works. Or because of how we vote. Or because of all these other things. We need to humble ourselves and we need to pray. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Seeking God above all things. This is what God says. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. And I will heal their land. The reason we do revival prayer on Sunday nights is not to be cute and you're supposed to have a prayer time when you're at church. The reason that we do revival prayer is because we value, we value revival prayer. We value what the Bible teaches. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways. That, that, we, that, that what revival prayer is, is not something to make you busy. Revival prayer is a time for coming together and praying for gospel expansion in our community and in our nation and our world. That's why we rally together and pray. And what I want to encourage you to do is to make time and space in your life to pray. See, I believe right now there is ahead of us a day of reckoning. But I also believe there can be a time of opportunity. I believe there can be a time of renewal and a time of revival. And that's why I am going to show up. And that's why I've been showing up and I'm going to continue to show up. And that's why I'm spending my Mondays to pray and fast. is because I believe that, that that prayer and fasting is more important than going to another, I don't know, seminar, uh, conference, uh, about how to, you know, create better programming in your church. I'm not saying I'm not anti-programming. I'm not. I'm not anti-conference. I'm not. I'm not against all those things. I just believe that sometimes we can focus on, I don't know. You know, I don't know. We we can do more to to prepare our appearance. Y'all say I should probably prepare more in my appearance, but we can do more to prepare our appearance for worship than prepare our hearts for worship. And that's what I'm trying to do. And that's 
how I believe God is wanting me to lead you and lead our church as a pastor. So anyway, um, how do I quit this? Uh, uh, maybe I'll just pray. Uh, but I believe that, that we can have spiritual renewal. But it begins with a high view of Scripture. Uh, it, it, it involves confession of sin, repentance, and, and, uh, and worship. And involves in a renewed uh, commitment to Jesus to obey him and to follow him. Let's pray. God, you are great and awesome. You are good. And today, Lord, what we want to do or what I want is, is I just want to humble myself before you. I, I want to pray. I want to ask you, God, please, uh, to help me to repent. Help me to be entirely willing for you to change me uh, inside and out. And, and, Lord, my prayer is for us that as we begin to um, kind of like almost do a restart of our church, that we will do it in a way that brings honor and glory to you. Uh, the Lord, what we need, what our nation needs today is it needs spiritual renewal. What our, our, our church needs, what I need is spiritual renewal. And so we pray for you to work in our lives, to bring revival to our hearts, to bring revival to our community and to our land. I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. our King. Come let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great Yeah.
Amen. Thank you guys so much for hanging out this morning, and we will see you next week.